Peter chapter 2, and we will be on page 164 in the book. 164 and 1 Peter. What, what, what is it happening over here in the peanut gallery? <laughs> yeah. Hey, go go to the end of your Bible and hang a left. First Peter chapter two, and page one sixty four in your notes. <clears throat> You know, last, uh, what, no, it wasn't last week, two weeks ago. No, three weeks ago. Yeah. Because Pastor Tice was here last week. We were out of town the week before. Right, so it's been three weeks. Yeah. Okay, we were talking about discipleships, uh, or discipleships. Disciples uh, live a, a sanctified life. Um, we started this, <clears throat> and uh, let's go ahead and, Talk about this blank here, and then we'll then we'll we'll, we'll talk about second First uh, Peter chapter two. Um, the word sanctified simply means to be set apart. Uh, it refers to something that is distinguished or sacred. <clears throat> so, if we are set apart, then we are distinguished or we're sacred. It's something sacred. It's something important. Um, God instructs us to keep our lives pure of sin and to live in a way that is set apart to God. <clears throat> As we live a sanctified life, God can use us in his service. So, sanctification is something that honestly uh I I I never I still struggle wrapping my head around sanctification. Uh just to be perfectly honest, I, I, I intellect, in, intellectually, and I'm not very intellectual. Um, <clears throat> intellectually, I understand it, but practically, I still struggle because God wants my life to be set apart. It wants He wants my life to be different. So, turn, turn. Well, hopefully, you already did. First uh, Peter chapter two. And let's read verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him that hath called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Let's talk about this this, this verse for a second because this this is really, really important. There is a there's a phrase here that in 21st century English we we can struggle with and what is that phrase? Peculiar people. That's not the we we have the word peculiar in our vocabulary, but what does it mean? Weird, strange. Okay, <clears throat> you know if you if you look up the word peculiar in your in the in the Webster's dictionary, uh, Bob's pictures right there. Okay, <clears throat> and he's holding a hot dog. Okay, just you know. Uh, 
I know, I know. <laughs> but honestly, what does the word peculiar mean? One of his own. One of his own. Okay? That, that's exactly what it means. It, it means to be one of his own, right? Special treasure, yes. Okay? It, yes, there you go. Um, so so what, what I did is I, I went and I, I got a commentary, and I, I want to read you because <clears throat> uh, I, I felt like this commentary uh, does a good job explaining this idea of being a peculiar people. Uh, in this, he says here, it says, in this verse, Peter is not saying that Christians are odd or unusual people, even though the world often looks at us that way. What this passage is communicating is that Christians or believers are people who belong to God. They are his own possessions. Another way to say it is it is that believers are God's own special people. Peculiar people. He goes on. The word peculiar in this verse is referring to the fact that the believer are, are the believers are special people because they were chosen from the from before the foundation of the earth to be God's own possessions. So, let's talk about this for a second because he makes an incredible statement here. From the foundations of the earth, God looked into eternity future. And he saw that there will be some people who get saved. And what does he do? He sanctified those that would be saved. And he set apart those that are going to be saved. Now, he did not look into eternity future and say, okay, this person is going to be saved, this one's not. That's not what he did. He, but because God knows the future, he knew who would accept Christ. And he said and he sanctified and set apart and made peculiar those people. Those <clears throat> who are born again are different from the world around them because they are being transformed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> also, they are different because having been born again, by the Spirit of God and believing Christ for salvation, they have received the right to become children. John chapter 1, verse 12. But, ye, uh, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become uh, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He continues. Uh, while it is true that believers are different, it is the believers standing as adopted children of God, joint heirs with Christ and God's own special people that make us peculiar or different. Now, <clears throat> why is the life of a believer so important? Why is, why is the, let me, let me, think I want to ask this question. 
the life of a believer should be different than the life of someone in the world. Why is that so important? Okay, all right. Anybody else? Okay. I have a friend that <clears throat> I met a coworker of his. And I was talking to this coworker and I said I I made the statement, "Oh, he comes to my church." And he doesn't anymore, but he did at the time. And this coworker said, Oh, really? I had no idea he was a Christian. Now, what's wrong with that statement? I mean, I, I heard several of you go, oh, ow, ooh, okay. But, but what's wrong with that statement? He was living like the world. There was no difference, no testimony. Now, we live in a world that some of us work in politically correct environments where <clears throat> if, if you were to walk around talking about God, you could lose your job. Is that, is that not correct in some, in some instances? Now, <clears throat> I want to be careful, careful how I say this. I was taught early in my Christian life that I had no business while I was on the clock talking about God. No. Because when I'm on the clock, I, I should be working hard, not standing there talking. Now, lunchtime, breaks, things like that is my time. And they can't tell me what I can say, what I can't say. But when I'm on the job, I'm working for the man. That's how I always felt. That's how I was taught early in my Christian life. But there should be something different about us. We should be peculiar. We should. The, the reality is this. <clears throat> if somebody who is not saved and is searching okay I was there once in my life I remember when I when I was about 16 or 17 probably probably 17 I was searching for God but I didn't know how I didn't I didn't know what to do because I never grew up going to church I just knew that there was a God and I needed that God in my life. And <clears throat> I had a lot of friends that I would party with 
on Friday and Saturday night, and then they would get up and go to church on Sunday morning. And I wanted nothing to do with that brand of Christianity. The only thing that I knew was that there was one guy that I used to hang out with. He and I uh, didn't spend a lot of time together. It was mostly because I was in the Boy Scouts, um, but he was in the same troop that I was in. And and I, I remember there were times where I used to pray and ask God that this guy would invite me to church because he was different. He didn't he didn't drink. He didn't run around. He didn't do everything that I was doing. Okay, his life was different than mine. And I did. I would lay in bed often on a Saturday night thinking, boy, I wish he'd call me in the morning. I'd love to go to church with him. But he never called. And now I'm glad he never called because he was a Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) I mean, I didn't know that then, okay? I just knew there was something different about him. And when you're searching you don't you when you're searching for something different, you don't go to the people who are doing the same thing you're doing. And if we're not different in our lives, then what good are we? Because the world is not going to see a difference. My next door neighbor. <clears throat> If you're standing on the street looking at my house, the house to the right is, uh, is an old guy. Uh, he lives there by himself, and he's, he's, he actually sold his house. He's going to be moving out uh, at the end of next month. And <clears throat> I, I am excited. Not that, not that I lose a neighbor, because he's a good neighbor. I mean, he's quiet, never bothers anybody. You know, he's a great neighbor. little persnickety sometimes but <clears throat> but um, he's a good neighbor I, I, I hate to lose him but I'm excited because I get somebody new to try and witness to I, I, I have been praying I've, as soon as I found I saw the for sale sign in his front yard I started praying for my neighbor and I can hardly wait till they move in huh yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> yeah, all we know. Yeah, he 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 um he had two people try and buy the house. Uh, one was a single person, and one was a, a young family with a with a baby. And so he he chose them because he wanted a family to have the house. So <clears throat> that's all we know. It's going to be a family, but you know, I'm looking forward to that. Why? Because that is that not what we're supposed to do? I mean, I've been praying for these people for about three months now, and I don't have never met them. We need to be a peculiar people. We need to be set apart. We need to be different. And the reason we need to be different is so that the world, as they are looking for something different, because this world does not satisfy. It just leaves us empty. And you know how I know? I've lived it. And many of us have lived it. 
and it just leaves us empty. So, turn it, turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter two. Somebody want to read verses nineteen to twenty-one? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God. Am I correct? No. No. Nineteen. Are you in First Timothy or Second Timothy? Second Timothy. Two. Second, oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of righteousness. Yeah. Okay, I'll read it, don't worry. Uh, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But a but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself the, uh, from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Now, I believe three weeks ago we talked about this verse or these verses for a little bit. Maybe maybe not. I can't remember. But anyway, we're going to talk about them again. What is this, the distinguishing characteristics uh, of the of the vessels it says here uh, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold silver uh, uh, gold and of silver but also of wood and earth so so what what is what is the distinguishing thing here you have fancy plates and everyday plates right okay that's how we would classify them today uh, my wife has dishes that we only use when we have company and then we have dishes that we use for every day. So if I drop something, it's no big deal. Okay? That's that's the distinguishing thing that most of us have. We have nice dishes and we have everyday dishes. Right? Okay, so that's kind of the distinguishing here. But let's continue reading. And it says, and some to honor and some to dishonor. So let me ask you. You have four types of dishes. Gold, silver, wood, and earth. Now, what is the difference that is being drawn here? Is it the difference in the 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 uh, the, um, the expensiveness of the dishes or the usefulness of the dishes? I have notes that I wrote down: there. gold and silver, faithful and useful. Okay. Wooden clay, fails to honor God. Okay. 
But that's not the distinguishing here. The value. See, the value here is not in the cost of the dishes. It is the usefulness of the dishes. Because here, let's read it again. See if you understand it this way. Um, in a great house, there are, uh, there are not only vessels of gold and silver and of wood and earth, but of some of honor and some of dishonor. So what is it saying here? Is it saying that the gold and silver are the ones that are honorable and the earth and wood are unhonorable? I don't believe that that's the case. I'm, what I, the way I read this is that some <clears throat> of all of them are honorable and some are, are dishonorable. I believe it's a picture of the church. And what it does is that there, there are all kind of people in the church. Some gold, silver, wood, earth, you know, blue collar, white collar, if you would. But is our service honorable or dishonorable? Now, I may be reading this all wrong, but that's how I've always read it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <clears throat> and I could, I could be totally wrong, but that's always been my interpretation of it. It, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is this. There are some vessels that are honorable and there are some that are dishonorable. And as we go through our lives, we need to work really hard at being those honorable vessels. Look at verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So, what is the implication of verse 21? There's an out, there's a, a glaring implication. Okay. Okay. It is. Okay, so it is the idea of purging yourself. So what is the implication then? It's a choice that we make to be honorable or dishonorable. It doesn't just happen. It's a choice that we make. <clears throat> Let's read it again. Verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself of these... He shall be a vessel unto honor. So in other words, what the, the implication is, if you do not purge yourself of these, you will be a vessel of dishonor. The choice is yours. Yes. That's right. That's how that's that that's how I would understand it absolutely. <clears throat> and meat for the master's use. What does the word meat mean? Fit. 
that you're 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 fit, you're you're conditioned, or not conditioned. That's not the right word. Um, what's another word? Uh, adjective? Huh? Accepted. Accepted. There you go. Accepted. Prepared. You're meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Again, how what what is the word prepare? What's the implication of the word prepared? Okay, it's work, but it's it, it is it is if you're gonna if you're gonna run a marathon, you're not gonna wake up one morning and go, you know, <clears throat> I think I'm gonna do it today. <laughs> what are you gonna do? You're gonna train. You're gonna you're gonna work at it. You're gonna prepare. So the the idea of preparation here again is a choice that we make. Spending time in the Word of God, spending time praying, it is a process that we have to prepare for. <clears throat> so uh, let's go back to the book here. <clears throat> uh, we have a holy God. Uh, the defining attribute of God is His holiness. I've shared this with you before, and I'll probably share it with you many, many more times. But when I, I, I when I <clears throat> stood before my ordination council, when I was ordained back 13 so years ago, one of the pastors on the ordination council asked me, what is the greatest attribute of God? And to be perfectly honest, I had no idea. Yeah, I went, my my brain went. I had no idea, and and I and she she knew the answer, but I did I didn't know. I had never contemplated God's greatest attribute, and I said, love, and he said, no, that's not it. And I said, I I just stood there. I must have had a stupid look on my face, and he's and this is what he said. He said, it's his holiness. I did. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, he said it's God's holiness, and he said, "Do you know why?" It's and I'm like, I have no clue. I love. Yeah, I I went all those years of college and God. Anybody told me this? He said, whenever you hear God's attribute of holiness you always hear it in scripture as god is holy 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 is the lord god of righteousness and the greatest attribute of god is his holiness so i just kind of thought i'd throw that out there isaiah turn turn over to isaiah Isaiah chapter 6. Ah, perfect example. Good. I, I thought it was, but I wasn't sure. And one cried unto uh, another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So that's how we know that that is God's greatest attribute is because whenever it is referred to in Scripture is always holy, holy. Holy, holy. And um, just a little uh, Bible knowledge there for you. Yes. Well, oh, you're fine. Because I thought the 
Uh, it, it could be. Uh, I, I've never, I've never read that in any commentary. I've never really heard that. But I absolutely, it could be because I mean they're all three one, and it, it could absolutely refer to that. Right, right. Yeah, whenever, 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 whenever Scripture repeats something, it, it's always a, it's always a, an, eff, an emphasis on that word. Okay, um, I'm trying to think of another example. Yeah, the the word verily, verily, you know, that's the the, the author's trying to overemphasize something. Um, but so. <clears throat> It could be. I, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> uh, back to the book here. It says uh, God is not only free of sin, but He is uh, exalted above all. Turn to Exodus, <clears throat> uh, chapter fifteen. Somebody want to read verse 11, Exodus 15, 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? <clears throat> God will be exalted. God will be exalted. <clears throat> You next blank here. God calls us to live holy lives, to live holy lives. Because God is holy, he calls us as his people to live holy. First Peter, turn over to First Peter. First Peter chapter one verse fourteen to sixteen. Somebody want to read those three verses? Okay. As obedient children, am I correct? Yes. That's all right. Okay. Now I have had people argue with me that it is impossible for a human being to be holy. What do you mean by holiness? It says it right there. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, okay, what do, what do you think it means? Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, now question, and I've asked this question before, and I'll probably ask it a million more times before I die. Has God ever given us a command to do something that we are incapable of accomplishing? <laughs> okay. Okay. Nowhere in scripture has he ever commanded us 
to do something that we are incapable of doing. Now, is it always easy? No. Okay, so having said that, can we be holy? Yes. So the question then becomes, what is holiness? Okay. What is holiness? You're a pastor. You tell me. Okay. Holy. There you go. We're back to the sanctification. So can we in our lives be completely and totally set apart, sanctified to God? Can we? Yes, we can. It's a process. Exactly. It, it is a process. You don't wake up one day and just like, you know, just like I said a minute ago, you don't wake up and say, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. You, you don't wake up one day and say, okay, I'm going to be holy today. Okay, you can't turn it on and turn it off. No, it is a process of sanctification. It is a process. Now, one of the problems that we run into is a misunderstanding of the word holy. What do most people think the word holy means? As I understand, it's a set connecting holiness with a lack of sin. There you go. Or or an element of perfection. Which is not possible. It is not possible. But we can be holy. Candy? Oh, you're a saint? <laughs> wow! <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, uh, like Rick said, uh, Ephesians, we're called saints, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, they have to go through all that stuff to be sainted and all that stuff. <clears throat> right. So, so can we be holy? Yes. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say be holy as I am holy in God's eyes. It just says be holy for I am holy. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, holiness is more about the inside coming out than the outside show that we put on. Okay. Because we can... Okay, because doesn't, doesn't Jesus explain the Pharisees that they look good on the outside? They, do, they wear the phylacteries. They wear all the stuff. They look good. They, they pray these incredible prayers. But what was the problem? They were rotten on the inside. See, that's not holiness. Holiness is something that comes from the inside out. <clears throat> And that was the in the in the uh, the prayer that that Jesus and his disciples were in the temple, 
and the Pharisee was praying. And he was going through and, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like this person and I give all my money and do all these things and blah, 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 blah. And then he said, he said, now look at the publican. And what did the publican do? He said he beat his chest and he wouldn't even look up. He kept his eyes down. And he said, Father, forgive me. See, that's holiness. That comes from the inside. And I think holiness is a lot of recognizing who I really am. Understanding that I am a rotten sinner. And without Jesus Christ, I am nothing. Turn over to page 165 here at the top. And I, I think this kind of goes a long way to understanding holiness. It says, in all manner of conversation, uh, in our lifestyle, we are to be <clears throat> distinct as God's children. We should be distinct in our speech, in our relationships, in our philosophies and beliefs, in our family life, in our appearance, Every aspect of our lives should show forth the holiness of God. Think about this. When the, uh, the, the, the story just popped into my head, the ten lepers spotted Christ and they yelled and they asked for Christ to heal them. How did they know it was Christ? I'm sorry? Appearance? Okay, they, they obviously had heard about him. We're not told, Ryan. Okay, and it, it may have been. Okay, there, there probably was a crowd. I mean, everywhere he went, there was a crowd. <clears throat> but everything about Christ exuded holiness. Have you ever been in a situation at work or somewhere and been accused of being a Christian and never opened your mouth? I have. I've had people, well, they, I shouldn't say that. They've not necessarily said, oh, you're a Christian. They, they, they've said, there's something different about you. That's kind of shocking to me. But why is that? Because, you know, when, the, and when, I, when I was in the workforce, I, I worked hard. When I would sit down to eat, I would pray for my food. I would talk to about the Lord when I had, a, had opportunity. We need to live separate and distinct lives. All manner of conversation, all manner of our lifestyle. <clears throat> Let's continue reading here. This truth is called uh, the doctrine of separation, separating, not isolating. I'm, I'm glad he put that in there because it's really important. Uh, God did not call us to be monks on the side of a mountain. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, not isolating ourselves from the world and 
uh, um, are separating ourselves from the world and to God. Turn over to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, Paul writes here, and he says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Did I say? Yeah, Second Corinthians 6. Oh, 6, I'm sorry. 6.17. It's in the book. <laughs> okay. Verse 17, we'll read it again. Wherefore, come out from among you, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, as I uh, will receive you. Actually, the Lord said that, obviously. Um, But um, uh, we are to come out from among them. We are to be different. Uh, One of the key areas of holiness is, is sexual purity. Look over. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter six verse fifteen and following, uh, same 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 chapter, um, just a little before that, uh, verses fifteen, fifteen to twenty, it says, uh, and what concord hath Christ? Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I can't read. It's in the book. It's in the book. Just read the book. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Know ye not that your, body is the t- uh, that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member, members of Christ and make them the members of, of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not... <clears throat> that he which is joined to a harlot <clears throat> is one body, and uh, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man uh, doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. That's an interesting statement right there, by the way. I hope that I hope you get that. Um, verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is <clears throat> in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I remember when I was first saved, uh, my my dear friend, who's a pastor now in North Carolina, gave me a a thing to put on a desk. That you, you know those things you stick pens in that nobody uses anymore because we all have computers. Um, but it, it had these two verses on there, and I read that and I thought, wait a minute. I, I mean, I'd been saved maybe two months, maybe three, and I thought, and I I read that and I thought, wait a minute. I am my own man. Who does God think he is? But somehow, sometimes, is that not how we live? 
No, God, this is my body. I'm going to do without as I want. <clears throat> and I'm here to tell you that's not how God has it planned. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. And we should be different. Let's continue reading here. We live in a culture that glorifies immorality. <clears throat> Many new Christians uh, have lived in sexual sin or wrestled with temptations uh, that are of the sexual nature. If this is something that you that you struggle with, uh, share that with your pastor or mentor and ask for counsel uh, to break free from it and accountability to walk in victory. The world wants to conform us to be like it, but God tells us instead to let His Word renew our minds so that we can become like Him. Uh, let's turn to Romans uh, chapter 12 and then we'll be done for tonight. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. Romans 12. <clears throat> Who wants to read verses 11 and 12? Chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Oh, jeez. Man, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, it's in the book. It's in the book. Just read the book. Yeah, I just, I, anyway, yeah, I, you know, I'll just blame it on dyslexia, okay? Just, you know, just be nice to me. Verse 2. Who wants to read verse 2? not conform to this world, but ye be, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what, what is the process then? Obviously, the process is the fact that junk in, junk out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. <clears throat> One of the things that I appreciated and uh, Pastor Tice talked about uh, in reference to training children is when we take something bad away from children, we should replace something good with it. And, and, and I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of other people. They say, you know what? Bless God, I want to live for God. And, and they go through and they start taking stuff out of their lives but they never replace it with good stuff. And what, it, what generally speaking, what happens? The bad, they, the bad stuff just comes right back. Because what happens is if you take something bad out of your life and you don't put something good in, then a vacuum is formed. And what happens with the vacuum? It's going to get sucked, the, the bad stuff's going to get sucked right back in. So we have to, we have to replace good with bad. The, reform, the renewing of our minds. <clears throat> oh, that's right, today is 31st. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, we are truly thankful, grateful for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I, I am so thankful for the Word of God and the transforming power of the Word of God that our lives can be changed. In, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye. But the sanctification process sometimes takes a long time. And I'm so thankful 
so thankful that you've never given up on us. That you've never quit on us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.